Thank you, Wayne. It's an honour to uh, be invited to speak today. The sermon title. God is, my question is, what do you read? Do you read God is nowhere or do you read God is now here? It depends that the way you look at it depends on what your heart leads your eye to see. I want to declare today that God is now here. One could also run the line, God is not anywhere, but it's not true because he's everywhere. How does God reveal himself? Two main ways, through his word and through his world. Today, I want to look at the way he reveals himself through his world. The world around us, the things God has done, and the things we do in his world. A couple of scriptures to lead us in. Firstly, Jeremiah 23:24. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? In Psalm 139, 7-10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. However, despite this truth, one man said, I cannot see God. The other said, I cannot but see God. So how do we become the person that sees and hears God? Acts 17, 27 and 28, Paul says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. No, he's now here. For in him we live and move and have our being. So to see and hear God, we are to seek him, to reach out for him and we find him. In other words, pay attention, look and listen. Another name for this is to pray. Now, I'm not talking about what I will call focused petitioning prayer, prayer closet stuff, prayer meeting stuff, not going around saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm talking about a 1 Thessalonians 5.17 prayer which says, Pray continually, pray without ceasing, pray all the time. It's a keeping company with God prayer. Philip Yancey in his book on prayer says, God is present in the beauties and oddities of creation, most of which go undetected. He says, I have become more convinced that God finds ways to communicate to those who truly seek him especially when we lower the volumes of the surrounding static. I have seen prayer as my way of responding to God's presence. Prayer means keeping company with God who is always present. I think that's a beautiful definition of praying continually, praying without ceasing. If prayer is my response to God's presence, I must first have 
I must first tune in to that presence. Here's my summary of what Yancey has said. Be aware that God is everywhere. God is now here. He's everywhere. So be tuned into what he might want to show us and tell us. When we look for God in his created world, firstly, I want to just say I'm not talking about pantheism. Pantheism says God is identical with the material universe. Man, nature, the material universe are manifestations of God himself. That's not true. The truth is God is the creator of the material universe. Like an artist speaks through his art, God is seen through his creation, which is in fact God's artwork. I believe that through the world, God speaks to us through prophecy and parable, my definition of prophecy. God communicating his mind to people. Parable, a short story from the ways of the world that illustrate a moral and spiritual lesson, a lesson from everyday life. So parable and prophecy confirm, sometimes they confirm what we already know. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's good. You've reinforced it. Another time it will teach us something new. Now, what I'm talking about doesn't fit with God's word and how the Bible reveals God to us. My answer is yes. The Bible is full of life's lessons from looking at God's world. We're told an ant is small but wise. They store their food in the summer. The stars and the moon are amazing. Although small, God still loves us. Thunder and waves speak of God's mighty power. A panting deer can speak of our desire for God. Clouds and wind without rain. Like a boastful man, a fig tree, who attends it, eats its fruit. Water reflects the face as a heart reflects the person. A rock, we're told the Lord is our rock. Leaping calves at daybreak speak of our joy when God heals us as the sun arises with healing in his wings. The sun, the righteous shall shine like the sun. Lilies, beauty, don't worry, God cares for you. Birds are fed, don't worry, God cares for you. Then we can go to the parables. Lamps and bowls, wise builders, foolish builders, sowers of seed, nature of soil, hidden treasure, lost coin, lost son, shepherds, sheep and goats. All lessons speaking to us from the world and everyday life. In confirmation of what I'm going to speak today, I've been a little bit nervous because, as you'll see, my presentation's going to be a little different. But I was at a funeral service on Thursday and a hymn in the service spoke to me and I felt God say, yeah, what you're sharing is okay by me. Some of you will recognise this hymn. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to the great faithfulness mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Now all I've said so far is an introduction to what we're going to do now. With the aid of photos that I've taken on my smartphone over the last couple of years, I'm going to share with you and look at how God has spoken to me 
to me through this world. Now, I've only chosen 30 of my 1,050 photos. <laughs> now, you may, may hear God say something to you that is uh, different than what he said to me. That's okay. But I'm going to tell you what God has said to me, and I hope it speaks to you. Remember, God is now here. In most cases, uh, time permitting, I'm going to share some backup scriptures, but if I don't, you can be sure there are scriptures uh, so that what I'm sharing conforms with what God's word says. So firstly, I'm not going to tell you where all these places are, but for the surfers, that's Cactus Beach on the West Coast. Just look at that. How beautiful is that? And the next one, how lovely is that? Speak, creation speaks of our almighty, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving God. In Romans 1.20, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made, so that men are without excuse. Now let's go a little closer to God's creation. And the next one. And the next one. Whether it be a flower, reef, or fallen leaves, isn't the quality of the artist so obvious? Psalm 145.5. I will meditate on your wonderful work. Let's go to the next one. Can you see that little bird in the nest? Such a tiny bird in a big world. Isn't our world such a big and confusing and troubled place? Man, what a challenge for a little bird. We can say, when we're born into this world, God, my boat is so small and the sea is so big. The Bible says God watches over the little sparrow and he watches over us. God loves us and I believe the sparrow with extravagant love. In fact, God says he attends the funeral service of every sparrow. And so perfect love casts out fear. We can trust in a loving God in this big world. Psalm 46.1. God has our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea. The Lord Almighty is with us. God says to the sparrow and asks, fear not, I'm with you. We roll along. Born into a big world. Surely, this is my grandson Taj. I know he's got big eyes. <laughs> it's a big world for a little baby boy to be born into. Surely our babies and little children speak to us of God. You want to see a miracle? Just look at a baby. Look at a little child. The Bible says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Last weekend, Arena and I uh, stayed up uh, on the River Murray 
and I attended a Lutheran church in the town we were staying in. Uh, this is a bit of a digression, but this little brochure was uh, on the pew a bench in front of me, and I just want to read to you uh, what it says. To the parents of our young children, relax. God put the wiggle in children. Don't feel you have to suppress it in God's house. Sing the hymns, pray, voice the responses. Children learn behaviour by copying in you. If you have to leave the service with your children, feel free to do so, but please come back. Remember that the way we welcome children in church directly affects the way they respond to the church, to God and to one another. Let them know that they are at home in this house of worship. The presence of children is a gift to the church. Please welcome our children and give an, a smile of encouragement to their parents. I just thought that was, that was really, really nice. Okay, where are we? Next. Tiny flower on the side of a big hill. Possibly no one's going to ever observe its beauty, but it still stands tall and, and colours God's world. You know, whether we're recognised or not, we should do our best for God and bloom where we're planted. I tell these little flowers that they're beautiful and should be proud of themselves as I walk past them. They speak to me. The Bible says, I am what I am by the grace of God. We should make it our goal to please him wherever we're planted. Next. Don't give up just because you're not perfect. Despite our imperfections and failures, God still loves us and wants to use us to share his love with others. Second Corinthians, God said to me, Paul speaking, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And if our imperfections are physical suffering or suffering of some sort, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We move on. This one speaks to me because it says, don't give up just because you're getting old. <laughs> Keep going, never give up. Share your wisdom as you have opportunity. Encourage others, young men and young women. Proverbs 16.31, grey hair is a crown of splendour and is attained by a righteous life. Sadly, I haven't got any grey hair, but I am old, <laughs> getting older. I love this old tree encourages me every time I walk past it up at Belair National Park. Next one. Just put this one in. Dead but not done for. Everybody, everything has a part to play. There's no waste in God. And as that tree is dead, but what a legacy. It's beautiful. It can speak to you of all it's been and done. We should strive to leave a legacy that encourages others after we die. My dad and my mum have been dead for a long time, but I tell you what, they still speak loudly to me and encourage me in so many ways. 
Hebrews 11.4, by our faith, we can still speak even though dead. Next one will speak for itself. God's way may lead down a narrow path, but what a great adventure and reward as we walk along that path. Who wants to walk down a highway to hell when walking the narrow path leads to heaven? Exciting, an adventure, and that's what God has for us. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Okay, you might not be able to read that, but it just speaks to me of the fact that we need to read and obey the rules and read them carefully or we pay the penalty. I didn't read it carefully. It cost me $70 (laughs) just for 10 minutes while I went and got a coffee, but I wasn't allowed to park there. The guy came on his bike, put a sticker on my window. I, I... Asked for forgiveness. I rang the city council and said it was just a mistake. I just bought a coffee. And she said, Sorry, at least God will forgive us if we disobey the rules. God's rules are for our benefit and blessing. Obeying them brings blessing, disobeying them brings hurt and pain and judgment. God's rules are for our protection, not our poverty. David said, Psalm 119, Your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Next is a lighthouse. What does the lighthouse do? It warns of danger and shows the way. God's word and spirit warn and guide. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, we read in Psalm 119. And of course the Holy Spirit We're told that he's going to be our counsellor, our guide, our convictor of sin, our, our, our teacher of righteousness. And so we've got God's word and God's spirit. They can be our lighthouse. Now, you know, God's given us a conscience, but sadly we have a misinformed conscience because it's been infiltrated by sin and we need to get an informed conscience. God will inform our conscience And again, it can beep at the right time. We now look at a waterfall. That speaks to me of God's spirit. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And he was referring to the fact that his Holy Spirit was going to be given and would be living water poured out that would impart life. And and we're told in Ephesians to, to be filled and being filled with the spirit. We need to drink. Deeply, daily. Now, have you ever shut your eyes and listened to water as it travels over, over rocks in a, in a creek or a, a, a river? It sings a beautiful song. And if we're filled with the Spirit, that song will be birthed in our heart. This bird speaks to me and he says, David, have fun, have a laugh. See, sometimes I, I'm feeling down and discouraged and I'm just, and I hear a kookaburra laugh and I hear God saying, David, cheer up. There's so much to be thankful for. The word says rejoice in the Lord always. God wants to put on us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Another animal. On my back fence, 
wasn't troubled by me. He reminded me that it doesn't hurt to take time out and have a rest. To be still and know that I am God. I was up the park the other day and I said, God, I need you to talk to me. I'm just going to be still and know that you're God. And I said, what's the message? He said, be still and know that I am God. (laughs) It's good to have a Sabbath rest. God said, have a rest. God, we are told, rested after completing his six days of creation. We need to rest from our busyness. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are labouring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, just to rest in his, his presence and his beauty and his love. I love this next one. Nothing like coffee, cake, and a chat with Jesus, or sometimes your wife. <laughs> our appetite, our taste buds, food, what a wonderful gift. They talk about praying. One prayer I never have any trouble praying is, thank you, Lord, for what is spread before me. and Bless it to my body. I pray in Jesus' name. In fact, I don't say grace. I give thanks for God's grace. The principle in joy. 1 Timothy 6, 17. God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Not only the bakery, but there's so much that he wants us to enjoy. Even this animal teaches us to pray before you eat. (laughs) Follow his example. 1 Timothy 4.4, For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Psalm 107.1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. We don't even say thanks for our meals. We're to say thank you, God, for his manifold blessings. This is my other grandson, Mason, and he's considering what to do with his first Frankfurt, his first hot dog. What a challenge for a little boy. Life presents us with many challenges. Some seem too big and hard to face up to. Remember the little bird in the nest? Fear not, have faith in God. And with his help, give whatever challenges come our way the best we can. I love this little dot line. If we do what we can and leave God to do what we can't, so we say in, with confidence, Hebrews 13, 6 says, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Just a couple of thoughts on challenges that come our way. In Philippians 4, 13, we read, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, I just want to correct a misunderstanding of that scripture. Some people read it and say, oh, I can do anything. I can, I can do anything because God will give me strength. The scripture isn't saying that. It's actually saying we can do anything that God requires of us. So discern if the challenge is God-given or not. If it is, go for it with God's help. And the second point, we can make progress a bit at a time. When Israel was about to, uh, to enter the promised land, uh, God said this to Moses. He said, I will send a hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, 
the Canaanites and Hittites. I'll drive them out of your way, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. That's, that's the principle of overcoming the challenges that can come our way. We can't always overcome them in one hit, but like Mason, with God's help, one bite at a time, we can be up for the challenge. Cockies are cute, but they're so loud and proud. You know, their squawk is, there's only one squawk, full volume. And they love to put that little yellow crest on, up on the head and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. So the lesson, don't be proud. Don't be cocky because you're a cocky. (laughs) There's no place for pride in the Christian life. Clothe yourself with humility. Peter says, because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Just listen to this. I just love this from the message. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. It's a bit humbling, but that's what it's about. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything we have, right thinking, right living, A clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Next one. Declare who you follow. (laughs) Now, that bloke's probably been ridiculed and laughed at, but he's proud of the crows. The challenge, the message to us as Christians. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and practice and praise your Father in heaven. Isn't that interesting though? That they may see your good deeds. Not hear what you're you're saying to them, but they'll see something about your lifestyle and they'll praise your Father in heaven. In Romans 1.16, we we are not to be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's let our light shine. A tunnel. Up at National Park. Difficult, dark times may come our way in life. Probably not may, but will come our way. We have to lean on God. We need to pray. And know he cares. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
two things to consider. Know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. doesn't matter what tunnel we're in. If we're willing and we give ourselves and our heart to God, he can bring good out of it. That's the second best thing after the fact that we can be saved. There is no waste in God. Whatever comes into our lives, as we give it to him and surrender it to him, he can bring good out of it. And also grow. Know that our time in the tunnel can sensitise us to the light. We can be sensitised to the hurt and pain of others through our experience in darkness and be better equipped to help another hurting brother or sister. And the good thing is, if you look closely, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The good news about a tunnel is it comes to an end. When in a tunnel of darkness, know too that this will pass, that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, these pelicans, I saw them the other day up the river. God said, David, enjoy your friends. Share with them. Consider the other person. There is strength in, and safety in, in, in a team. Encourage one another. And, and I saw that little island that these pelicans were on as, as a local church. This is what a local church is about. We can be Lone Ranger Christians and fly alone, like some pelicans do. But God wants us to encourage, care, love one another. Local church provides this opportunity and facilitates this responsibility. Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Those guys, if one moved, every other one had to kind of shuffle and, and some got pushed into the water and others would flap their wings and the others would be offended. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Let's not give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another. Philippians, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. I saw some pelicans doing that. We should. Last, not last, next. Kangaroos, they're so watchful. They just look for possible danger. Again, up Belair National Park, I'm walking along and see this kangaroo, they see me. And, and I keep looking at them and I'm saying, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm your friend. I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. And, and they're just looking, looking. They, they think, this bloke's screwy. <laughs> and they're right. <laughs> but, but this is a lesson. We're told to watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. We're told to watch your life and doctrine closely. We're told to be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand first in the faith. Kangaroos can teach us that beautiful lesson. Look at him, looking, discerning, watching, praying. Next. Now, I did set that up, but I saw this egg, emu egg, and then I saw this skull. I took photo of them individually and then I put them together. What do they speak to me of? The fact life is short. To live the dash for God. To love God and love people. Psalm 103. For as for a man, as for man, got there, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. 
The wind blows over it and it is gone. Pretty sad, eh? Doesn't last long. Three score years and ten, plus a few more if we're lucky. But, listen to this. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Colossians 3.23, because the dash doesn't last that long, we don't know, any of us, how long it's going to last. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. We now look at a reflection at the Railway Lake up at Belair National Park. Reflection is beautiful, but the reality is more beautiful. It speaks to us of the fact that the best is yet to come. We're told that this life, as wonderful as it is and and as precious and important, it's, it's the curtain raiser. The real game's up ahead. We live on a fallen planet. Sin, sin, we're told, is dark in the earth. The Bible talks about the fact we live in the shadow of reality, the shadow of things to come, the shadow of what is in heaven. We're told in Corinthians, now we see a poor reflection, as in a mirror, as in the lake. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. When does this happen? When Jesus returns and makes all things new. And then we're told, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Nearly to the end. The cross speaks to us of the centre point of human history. Jesus died on a cross, taking the sin of the world, our sin, upon himself, that we may be made right with God and have eternal life. Paul says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except the cross of Christ and him crucified. Yeah, he knew other things. What he's saying is the cross is, the cross is, is central to life. The message translation says, Jesus and who he is, Jesus and what he did is the central thing. Why crosses on the graves? Because the cross, Jesus' death, his resurrection, because of his death and resurrection, death has lost its sting for us as Christians. We live even though we die. And there will be a resurrection when our living spirits will be clothed with a new, amazing, heaven-built body. The cross speaks to us of our great hope. As we said earlier, dead but not done for. The last one. Don't clap. Just a sunset. Took that down at Aldinga Beach. The sun rays through clouds at the end of the day. God just spoke to me about his power and his plan. I, 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 I felt something of God's supernaturalness as I, 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 I looked at that sunset. It spoke to me of Jesus' ascension when after his resurrection from the Mount of Olives that uh, he ascended back to his Father in heaven Acts 1.9 says he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus is coming back 
After Jesus had disappeared in the cloud, two angels appeared and said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back to receive his followers and make everything new. Amazing? Yes. Only God could pull it off, and he will. And we can be a part of the action by humbly coming to God through Jesus and making him our Saviour and Lord. As the book in the Bible closes, we read Jesus' words. Yes, I am coming soon. Two scriptures, Psalm 119, 18, and this should be our prayer. God is now here. God is everywhere. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. Psalm 25, 45. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour and my hope is in you all day long. Be in communion with God without ceasing. I close with the words of another song. It's not a hymn. You'll recognise the words. It's such a well-known song. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright, blessed day in a dark, sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colours of a rainbow so pretty in the sky and also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They learn much more. They'll learn much more than I'll never know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Well, I want to add my line to the song, if I may. What a wonderful God. And I want to say, thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for staying with me. We're now going to celebrate communion. So musicians, if you would uh, lead us in a song. Uh, Stewards, if you would wait on us. Invite everyone to take this piece of bread and drink this cup today as we simply remember Jesus. I'll share a couple of words on that just before we eat and drink together. Jesus, the name above every other name. 
Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for
consider that us taking communion today is very fitting with our sermon topic. A simple life act speaking to us of spiritual reality. Jesus, when celebrating the Passover with his disciples, took a piece of bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, eat it, this is my body broken for you. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So these two very simple everyday parts of life, eating bread and drinking the fruit of the vine, speak to us of a heavyweight spiritual reality. The broken bread, Jesus' body broken, that our salvation would result in our health and wholeness in every way. The cup, Jesus' blood shed, that our sins would be forgiven and we could be right with God. He becomes our Father. We become His sons and daughters. Jesus requested that His disciples, and He's requesting that of us as His disciples, He said, do this in remembrance of me. So as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we commune with Jesus. Let's remember His love. Consider what our salvation cost Jesus. Let's celebrate our hope in Him. And let's say thank you. And so Jesus, along with all present here today, our local church, the Hills Christian Family Centre, I say thank you so much. Let's stand. Say your own thanks. And then eat the bread, drink the cup, representing Jesus' love. Amen. might think of the little bird in the nest. You may think of the beauty of creation. We may think of God's artwork. We may think of the old tree, the dead tree. We may think of koala bear. We may think of the penguins. May think of the kangaroo. Might think of the reflection in the water. God speaks to us through them all in words of prophecy and parable. But let's think of the cross. Thank you, Lord, that that we're walking the narrow way today that leads to life because you died for us. You demonstrated your love. Our sins are forgiven. We're on the way to being perfectly whole, resurrected 
in a new body, the outworking of your broken body. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming back again to make all things new. Thank you because of your grace. We're going to be there on that day and rejoicing in all that you're going to do. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.